Welcome to the Picky Girl Travels podcast, the show for Black women who want more out of life and to live it as they see fit. The message here is all about defying convention, embracing adventure, and regretting absolutely nothing. I'm your host, Adelia Borashade of the blog PickyGirlTravelsTheWorld.com. So today, I am super excited about my guest. Um, Some of you watching this may recognize her. Uh, My guest today is Kayla, who recently made a very, very big change in her life and relocated to Mexico. But that is not actually what I want to talk to her about. I want to talk to her about her life before that and how she arrived at that at this point. Now, Kayla, I I want to like give you a proper introduction, but I know you as Kayla Creative as an artist, but yes. I discovered recently, like last week, <laughs> that that's a relatively new part of your life. Yes. Okay. So before you were this artist, this digital artist and illustrator and all of those fabulous things, um, what were you doing with your life as an adult? Yeah, cool. Okay, well, hey, everybody. My name is Kayla, and thank you so much for having me on, Adelia. Um, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, um, in the United States, and I grew up uh, right in the city of Atlanta, outside of the AUC Center with Spelman and Morehouse. Um, so I'm kind of a big city girl. Um, I have always been pretty creative. Um, I focused on art and music growing up in school. So I did dabble with just drawing, painting with acrylics and things like that um, with high school teachers. And I played the violin for 10 years. I wanted to go to art school, but um, this was at a time before the magic of YouTube and and podcasts and um, everything that you can kind of do for yourself these days. This was a little bit before that. So my parents were like, no, you need to go to college. So I went to um, the University of Georgia, which is the big state school um, where I'm from. And I majored in communications. Um, almost right after that, I got into my career path before art, which was nonprofit fundraising. Um, and so I'm a fundraiser. I I did that for 10 years, um, right up until the pandemic. And, um, I'm part of the great resignation, (laughs) um, fundraising for anybody listening, um, you'll know that it's a pretty high stress uh, environment, pretty high stress career. Um, And so I I just got to a point where I was super burnt out. And that's when, because you mentioned my art, um, that's when I started working from home for a little bit at the beginning of the pandemic. And I started exploring um, what life might look like if I did more of the things that I wanted to do instead of the things that I thought I had to do. I bought an iPad. I taught myself how to draw. That was the summer of um, 2020. And you say that that so casually. Oh, I taught myself how to draw. (laughs) Like everybody can't do that, but I'm I'm sorry to interrupt, but go ahead. Go ahead. That's okay. Oh, I guess because I was already drawing. So I taught myself how to draw digitally. Um, 
well, I used to draw when I was younger. I had probably taken probably a 10 year break from drawing because my nonprofit career was all consuming. And we'll talk about that. But um, teaching myself how to draw on an iPad was kind of like coming back to myself and the things that I really enjoyed doing before I started becoming totally consumed by career um, and striving. Um, anyways, and so I started sharing my art online and that's when you saw me as Kayla Creative Adelia. So okay. that is relatively new. Okay, um, so I'm curious, um, mm-hmm. you got a degree in communications. Yeah. How did you end up in the fundraising space? Yes, okay, so <laughs> I came out of college in 2009, um, the economy, was recently uh, super impacted right around that time. And so uh, me and a lot of the people who kind of, I guess you would say were graduating around the time as me, we were kind of just looking for jobs, like just looking for careers that would have us. And I did start in a communications role, um, but there were layoffs in that role. And I kind of found myself in the world with a brand new degree, I was comfortable speaking publicly and I've always been a person that looks to make an impact and do something good. So I thought, okay, well, fundraising could be it because I'm, I'm pretty comfortable talking to people and I want to do good. So I just ran in it and you'll know this about me. If, if you meet me, y'all will learn this about me. Whatever I do, I just find myself doing to the you know, the maximum, right? So you were all in. I'm all in. Whatever I feel like doing, if I want to do it, I'm all in. I seldom halfway do things. I'm either all in or I'm just not doing it anymore. (laughs) Um, So when I kind of set my sights on fundraising, it started as an assistant position just to get myself in the door. I was like, making coffee for people and sitting in the back of the room taking notes. And before you know it, it's a 10-year career um, with a whole ladder climb and a whole, it was a thing. (laughs) What I'm not hearing is, and maybe I'm missing it, Mm -hmm. but I'm not hearing like you reflecting on that career with love and like, I really miss those days. I'm not hearing that. Am I wrong? So you're, so... You're, you're amazing, Adelia. You're not hearing it for a reason. It's not that, you know, I think that somewhere along the way of my traditional career path, I kind of lost sight of the work that I wanted to do and the reasons why I wanted to get into that field. And I, I was more focused on climbing the ladder and striving and, and being able to show outward results that matched who I wanted to be seen in the world, at, seen as in the world. And so it just became, it, it became more than a job for me. It became an identity that I was forcing and it became an obsession. And so that's why when I talk about it, uh, I don't mean to sound negative. Because oh no, for, you don't, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> I work for some amazing nonprofits, amazing missions, and I had a lot of fun, but it Personally, it was a time in my life where I was just being consumed by um, by my career and, and just trying to advance it. And, and that was not healthy for me. So, yeah. Was the pressure 
to be a success, to be seen as successful and whatever outward accoutrement communicate that and this, this desire or this push to, you know, climb the ladder, where is that pressure? Where was that pressure coming from? Was that you? Was that external? So I think it's a mix of both. And that's an excellent question. I think that I know that a lot of people will, um, might feel this way, but um, specifically where I grew up, I'm from Atlanta, which is looked at like a black Mecca, um, where I'm from. And then you you layer on that, you're in the South, and there are just all these kind of societal ideas of what a woman, a successful woman is, what a successful Black woman is, where you should be by a certain age, um, what you should have achieved. And so I think that half of it was trying to live up to this societal picture of like Black excellence and girl boss, hashtag girl boss and all these things. And then being caught up in that, in in the uh, race of trying to fulfill that, it wasn't putting pressure on myself to match up to this picture. So I think it was like double the pressure from all angles. Um, And I just felt like I had to, uh, I just felt like I had to paint a certain picture in order to appear successful um, to everyone around me. you well one you said when you do something you go all in so mm-hmm. if you're gonna if you're gonna be a fundraiser and you're going to do this in the nonprofit space i can imagine that there was a certain amount of internal like if i'm gonna do this i'm gonna be the best i can be and yeah <laughs> we let's it let's let's be honest about this when we talk about people who are great at their job rarely are we talking about people who have not gone up the ladder whatever that looks like and that's kind of a faulty notion in and of itself um i'm thinking of my own experience as a classroom teacher if you're a really good classroom teacher you don't climb you stay where mm-hmm. you are and you just develop a reputation. So, um, of course, if you're going to be the best, how other to be perceived as the best than making the climb up the ladder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about being from the South and what, you know, what a successful woman looks like, what a successful Black woman looks like. And I have all, it took me a long time to realize that that is conditioning. Mm -hmm. And it's a very hard thing to fight, even when you're aware that Mm -hmm. those are somebody else's expectations and ideas being put on you. Mm -hmm. But I think what I heard you say, and from my own experience, it is often hard to see where is that line between what the world says I should want and what I want, because often we start to believe you want what society is saying you want. Exactly. And-, and it's, you know, it's, it's, I'm seeing this clearer now that I am where I am, but you know, I've only been here for a month. This, this is all, this revelation is all very um, new to me, but it's even from when I was younger, buying the career Barbies, Barbie's an astronaut, 
Barbie's a teacher. Barbie could be a doctor. But, you know, and I guess maybe they had a safari Barbie who was like a wanderer. I don't know. But, you know, even from then to then starting to watch television, I watched uh, Tracy Ellis Ross and Girlfriends. Do you have lawyers and you have like these high powered women? Um, the Huxtables, like Claire Huxtable. And, you know, it's just a different world and, and they're so smart and they're at HBCUs. And it's just, it, all of the things that I was told about what a bright, successful, um, beautiful black woman was, it was at the end of this road of striving. And it seemed so far away from who I naturally was. And so it just kind of set in motion from a very young age this like constant hamster wheel of trying to match this picture. And you're right. I don't really know at what point society was not really in my mind. And I was just programmed to continue to try to strive towards this image that I had. I don't know when that happened, but it did. And it took over my life. I find it really interesting that you said that this is so far from who you naturally are. I identify with that a lot. And I, it did, it took me 40 years of just, I got tired. I was like, I can't, I can't be this thing. I have tried so hard to be this thing and I cannot do it. And that's when Mm -hmm. I was just like, fuck this. I'm just going to be me and y'all going to have to deal with it. So, you know, if you think about what you said in terms of like, how we raise little girls, little black girls. Basically, you got the message very early that what you're supposed to strive for did not really match what you feel. And it was just, okay, so I subjugate who I am. Like it's- That's exactly it. It's never a conversation. It's never a debate about, do I embrace me or do I pursue this thing? Of course, you pursue this thing. You, You need to get in line. Like that's exactly it. And I don't know if you had these feelings after work when you used to be a teacher, but I would have these feelings of like, okay, the second I close my door and, and the lock clicks, I got my head wrap on. I'm relaxed. I got my real music that I actually want to listen to. I'm talking in my real voice. You know, I'm a whole different person. And it's just like, I can't wait till 6.30 when I'm really me between 6.30 and 9 p.m. I'm really me. Um, And that's just, it's so sad. I I was was just going to say, how sad is that? (laughs) That think about how many hours of our lives we spend in work at work. And that Mm -hmm. that's a significant portion of your day. And that for a significant portion of your day, you can't be you. Mm -hmm. You can't embrace Mm -hmm. who you are, how you feel, how you think. Like, but that is the American system, U.S. American system. Um, And how sad is that? And I think it's even outside of work for me, because it's like, it's, it's when you're in the United States, I started to feel like it's when you're in society, you know, it's like, and I heard you say this on a past podcast episode 
um, of how um, you have heard other people make comments about women who wear their head wraps or scarves in the grocery store. I think you said something along these lines where it's kind of just like, even when you're not at work, you feel like if you're at the grocery store, you still have to be this picture of a, a certain level of success or polished because what will the person in line what will they think think? what (laughs) will they say they have certain expectations about what I'm supposed to look like how I'm supposed to behave uh yeah Yeah. and one of the big things for me in this new part of my life is you talked about uh you said about speaking in the way you want to speak like (laughs) I no longer consciously code switch I say it the way I feel, regardless of where I am and who is there. So I could be, although this rarely happens in the life that I live now, I could be in a room full of white folks, but I will say it the way I I feel it. I'm not cleaning it up. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to make it fit standard English. I am, you know, (laughs) dropping participles and what have you, because no, this is who I am. I'm not there. I'm not 100% there yet, but I'm sliding towards that side of the scale. I'm much better than, um, than I used to be. I used to run everything through my head before I said it, and then spend hours running things through my head after I said it at night. Just like, how did I sound? How was this perceived? How, yes. what was my face like? I, was I smiling hard enough? Like, oh my God. <laughs> I imagine since you've, you are now at the beginning stage, but you are now making an effort to live the life that you want. I would imagine mm-hmm. that you feel a certain amount of lightness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just telling um, a a woman that I met here in Playa del Carmen, and uh, we both work online, and um, we have a friend that's retired who's also here, and she was just saying how she's so relaxed, it's so peaceful, and and she owes no one any part of her time, and these are the best days of her life because she's retired. And me and my friend who were working online, we were just kind of like, but you know what, even though we work, we're not retired yet we're so free. It's so relaxed. If something aggravates me about work, which is hard to even aggravate me within five minutes, I've just let it go because it's, it's a different, when you come to the point that you're, that you stop striving so hard for things and you just allow yourself to be who you are and, and just sit in who you are, it's hard to carry stress. Yes, it Um, is. But that was hard to do in the United States one. And then also (laughs) before I laid down like striving and trying to chase and get to this next imaginary step so that I could match some picture of who I was supposed to be. Um, Yeah, I just carried so much stress all the time. I wonder, because for you, as with a lot of people, the pandemic was pivotal pivotal in making mm-hmm. major life changes. Oh my gosh, yes. Had it not happened, do you think you would have gotten to a point where you looked at your life and said, I don't want to do this anymore? I definitely think I would have gotten to that point. 
because I, the way that I was going, I was burning myself out, totally grinding myself into the ground. I would have gotten to that point without the pandemic, but I will say the gift in the pandemic for me is that I think I fast-tracked that point because I never had a remote job before COVID. Like I'm sure a lot of people um, have a, a similar experience to that. I thought, when I thought about a person with a remote job or people working from home, I'm thinking about coders, um, like you built an app, you work in San Francisco, um, or you're like a traveling salesman of some sort, I don't know. I just didn't see everyday average um, professions as being work online, work from anywhere. Um, so when I was sent by my employer to work from home at the beginning of the pandemic, that blew my mind. And I had a little bit more breathing room, like no commute, you know, the breathing room that you have that allowed me to think a little bit more about the things that I wanted. And something happened when I didn't have to like put on my armor of who I was supposed to be. I'm on conference calls, y'all can't see me. So I'm doing my work <laughs> with my scarf on. Like I got my edges, um, you know, laid down the way I want them to. I got my, my big hoops on. I, I'm who I want to be and I'm still doing my work. And I think that fast tracked because I was able to spend more time being me. And it hit a point where I have been me for long enough to say, I, I'm, I want this all the way. I'm not going backwards and I don't want any less of this. I want to be all the way me. So let's see what happens. <laughs> I think that that part about putting on the armor, I think any black woman listening to this or watching this mm -hmm. on YouTube can identify with that mm -hmm. because as a black woman, you cannot go out into the world, not armed up. Like oh. you go out there as yourself and you go out there as vulnerable. The world is not a nice place for us. So I think there's that piece. And then what you said, like you got to spend time being you. Yeah. And you were like, being actually me. Yeah. Like, I think that's really powerful because I think when we look at the way we live our lives in the U S particularly, um, especially as a black woman, you can't be you out there. <laughs> and because we work so much um, and because that's all part of, you know, the striving and black excellence and hustle culture and all of that, you, mm -hmm. because you can't, you can't be yourself. You've got to be this other thing that takes up the majority of your time because you have to work so much so you can have the car, you can have the house, you can have the clothes. Yes. Yep. You spend a lot of time not being yourself. So that's- Yeah, and, and then I think on top of, that's 100% correct. And then layered on top of that in the United States, and I'm, I'm speaking um, a lot about the United States because that's just where I'm from. Um, but layered on top of that is that the society- non-Black women have a picture of who Black women are. So even in the slivers of time that maybe you are being yourself outside of the grind, you're, you're, already, you're already perceived a certain way before you've even spoken. You know, I've had experiences with people um, where, you know, I might just say, I might just relay a story. And someone responds to me, well, you go girl, you're strong. And it's just like, I, 
that's not even, you know, but like <laughs> you've labeled me because you have this picture of like this sassy, strong, independent, dominant black woman. That's not even what I meant to relay in our conversation together, but you have labeled me as such, you know what I mean? And so it's like, even when you do try to be vulnerable, there is this narrative of who a black woman is. And if you come across with any modicum of, of I guess, self-respect or happiness or energy or intelligence, then you're just automatically lumped into this picture of who a black woman is. It's just, it's hard. <laughs> so like you said, that was the bright spot of the pandemic, the blessing mm -hmm. of the pandemic for you, that it gave you this time that you may not have found for many years. And uh, before I go forward, it's not, and I've said this on this podcast before, it's not that I think the solution for every woman is to leave the United States. Mm -hmm. That is not, the, not what I'm saying at all. But I will continue to point out the issues in U.S. society that are, you know, that are harmful to us, that are creating these situations. And for me, and it looks like for you as well, <laughs> that leaving the U.S. was the right way to free yourself from that system. Yeah. And it's kind of like a cold turkey kind of thing for me. You definitely don't have to do it. If you really want to break all that off <laughs> and you step outside of the society that's painting this picture for you, that's like a real fast track way to see who you really are. Um, I just true. want to throw that out there. Very true. <laughs> now, so you start working from home. You're getting to be yourself more of the time. Now, I'm, I'm curious as to the thought process or what happened for you next that, or did you say, hmm, is there a way that I can get more of this? Like while remaining in this current system or like, I don't know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, yeah. but I am curious as to, you kind of got this peek into I like this better than how my work life was going. Cause so mm -hmm. far that's primarily where we're focused is mm -hmm. work life. So help me understand like where you went mentally after this kind of revelation happened. Yeah. So, okay. So let's just take a tiny step back before I got to the point of the pandemic happening and having the time to, to really be myself more, I was following women online who were living the type of life that I told myself I would live if I could do anything that I wanted. And you were one of those women, Adelia. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we're, we're in similar circles. So you could probably guess some of the other people that were super inspirational to me but I kind of held y'all, held you kind of on this pedestal. Uh, this is a blogger, you know, this is a, this is a YouTuber. This is a traveler. This is a celebrity. And I'm, um, I'm going to interrupt you right here. Cause mm -hmm. I heard what you said about if I could do anything mm -hmm. that to me, that's a, I don't want to say it's problematic, 
but it does hurt my heart to hear you say that because one, I know there are a lot of women who feel the same way Mm -hmm. that like one would think you live in the supposed freest country in the world that you are free to live whatever life you want, but you didn't see it that way. No, that you were not free to live the a life that you wanted one to your liking. Like, what yeah. does that say? And that's not even just to do with jobs. That's to do with everything. You know, I used to, one of the biggest things that I used to say, if I could do anything in the world, as if I couldn't, I would move to the beach and cut off all my hair. I also said, if I could, if I could date anyone I wanted, they would be like this. Now, did that match up with, no, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I just had this thought that your wildest dreams and expectations were your wildest dreams and expectations. They weren't actually your life. And so when I saw you and I saw other women um, um, living this life, I kind of put y'all on a shelf and like, for lack of better words, that was my entertainment. I'm going to go to work but then I'm going to see how this person experienced China or how this person experienced Mexico city, but I'm in Atlanta. So I'm going to go to work, you know? And so, so that's how it was before the pandemic. Cause you asked like how I got to the point mm-hmm. of like actually taking a, making, taking action towards changing my life. So when the pandemic happened, I have more time to spend being myself. I started thinking to myself, well, what if I could actually do, I'm already being myself, that's radical, right? Now, what if I could actually do some of the things that the real me wants to do? And that's when I started looking at your content and my like my idol's content, less as entertainment and more as roadmaps. And when I did that, everything everything changed. And I I need to say something else. Um, And I don't want to get too like deep or spiritual. I know I'm a Christian person. And for anyone who's Christian, who's listening or watching, there was also kind of a companion um, thought or uh, revelation happening in my life. That if I believe that I can do all things through Christ, if I really believe that God is all powerful and he loves me, why can't I believe that I can have more than this? And so it was a spiritual journey and it was a personal journey and that was all wrapped into one. And I think it was that moment of um, those moments of allowing myself to be myself. It was like a little spark. And when I started, you know, looking at your content, just like I said, less as, okay, I'm going to sit on the couch with my snack at the end of the day and see what Adelia's doing. And more of, okay, how did Adelia do this? Because if she took those steps, then why couldn't I take those steps too? And, and then I was, my mind, like it just clicked. And you and women like you are the very reason this podcast exists. Um, because I guess there was a lot of like, I don't want to say soul searching, but you know, you start to, one door opens and then that opens another door and you know, it all comes together. And I just thought like my my dissatisfaction with the status quo, there have got to be other, I can't be alone in feeling this way. Mm -hmm. And 
what it, I thought about, well, what about the woman who doesn't know where to start or how to, or that even feeling this way, this dissatisfaction is okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that, is, that was the conscious decision in creating this, this, this platform because, you know, I wanted to share how I did it, how other Black women are doing it, so that, like you said, it's not entertainment. It is, for lack of a better term, a roadmap. Yes. So it, I, I, it warms my heart to hear that. But at the same time, I think about it just, I can't get away from, you know, if I could do anything when I know it's, I spent so much of my life. I'm 35 years old. I turned 35 at the end of last year. And and you were coaching me when I was going through, when I was going through it, (laughs) maybe we'll talk about that, but (laughs) when I was really going through it, but that was such like this arbitrary marker of my life as a woman, whatever I'm past it now. But, um, I just was so used to, it was just so modeled for me by society, by other people, by the way other successful people um, live, like work hard, play hard. Yeah, you can play hard, but that's not real life. You know, all your dreams, your hopes and dreams, that's not how you pay your bills. That's not, that's not responsible. That's not adult. You know, an adult, goes to a job, they probably don't like it, and that's okay. They have a family, they may not like everyone in that family, and that's okay. They have a friend group, and some of those friends fight all the time, and that's okay. And it's just expected that you carry toxic with you, because that's... Dysfunction is normalized. (laughs) Dysfunction is normalized. It seems like anything is normalized that keeps you in the capitalist system where you yeah. are, where you feel compelled to work and participate in consumerism. Yeah. Because when you think about all of the markers and the indicators of success, it's never about, well, I felt whole and complete. Yeah. It's about the thing I had, the thing I could buy. It's true. And even traveling before this, it was about how many excursions can I stack into my time, you know, into my time away from this society. I'm going to take, take some time and travel and I'm going to see some parts of the world. This is nourishing to me. But what can I buy to bring back? Like, I need a shot glass, right? I need some kind of like, what, what am I going to buy? How am I going to prove to people that I came here? How will I show people that I had a good time? It wasn't (laughs) enough for me to just sit and enjoy myself. I needed to have the picture at that statue and I needed to go swim with those dolphins. And like, I don't swim with dolphins, but that's just, um, you know, it just, it was taking over my life to the point where I was really, and I didn't think of this. I thought I was living a good life, but I was really living a life to be perceived as a good life by other people. But of Which course, totally well, yeah, it's two totally different things, but thinking that you were le- leading a good life by the indicators established by society, you were. Now, yes. it yes. took you a while to realize that those indicators are bullshit and that, 
and that <laughs> they are there. I don't, you know, I don't know. A lot of times people talk about this stuff and they like to give the system credit for kind of being cognizant of the way it's designed and the way it keeps us in it. I don't know about that, but of course you felt you were living a good life because by yeah. all the indicators, bullshit they may be, you were doing that. Right, right. Whether or not it's what you wanted, whether or not it's what made you happy, that was immaterial. Um, right. I had a, a previous guest on here. I think it was uh, Alicia Renice, where I came wow. to the conclusion about, if you think about the way society works in the U.S., it's never about being uh, satisfied. It's never, there is no enough. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's all about, it's a continual perpetual machine. There is, there is never the, there are no indicators of like, you've made it, whatever making it means, it's always outside of our grasp. Yeah. Yeah. It's never like, I feel whole and content right where I am. Because if you say that, people will tell you, you slacking, you're lazy. You don't want to work. You don't want to strive. Right. And right. it's like, well, I strived and I got here and this feels great, but you right. should want more. Right. That's exactly <laughs> it. And it's just like the carrot keeps moving just a little bit out of grasp and I don't know at what point are you doing that you're dangling the carrot in front of yourself society's dangling the carrot but I'm telling you it's that 10 years of career I mean we keep going back to career we can talk outside of that but just just like but in crazy. reality you and your career are one at least yeah. in the American system you are one people don't people first question what's your name what do you do what do you do yep yeah, <laughs> there's a reason that's exactly that there's a reason that that's the question they ask. So, yeah, it's just, you know, and every bit of success that you get, it's hard to really I mean, you enjoy it in the moment. I have a promotion. I have more money. We're going to go out for drinks and celebrate. Yay. But somehow without even um, and maybe this says something about me needing to just get control of my life. But my my lifestyle elevated at the same pace as my income. So even though I'm getting more and more, I still feel the same level of just non-fulfillment. You know, it's, I'm always like, okay, this next thing. Um, Cause that's what you're told. Yeah. And when it doesn't pan out, our first instinct is not the system is problematic. It is, oh, I need to keep going. I didn't work hard enough. I didn't achieve this level. It's, yeah. you know, it's our, we don't stop and say, hold on. Maybe this, or we, what it takes us a while this to for? get to that. Yeah, no, because yeah. <laughs> that, that is very much, I looked around one day and I was like, I guess I'm a bit morbid, but it all comes back to me for, if I die tomorrow, is this it? Is this, yeah. not that I, I feel the need to be remembered, but because I have children, I do think about like, cause you know, you, know, you don't know your mama uh, as a person 
until (laughs) you are an adult. And that takes a while. So I was like, you know, like if I die today, what, what is left to be said about me when people reflect on my life? Like, did I make any, because the thing that matters to me is, did I make any significant contributions? Did I improve the world? And because I'm driven by this thing, this job, this career, whatever, but it's not the things that I think would be important if I am not here or that when people think of me in memory, they think of this thing. So that kind of made me say, okay, these two things are not aligned. That's a problem. Yeah. And you can, you can try and force the system to align with what you want. But if your experience is like mine, you'll find out that that doesn't work. And so I opted out of the system. And I think for me, it was just, just reaching a point of absolute exhaustion and being able to recognize that it was absolute exhaustion because I had spent some time being myself. Um, And, you know, there were a couple of things that hit me. You know how there's like these little crumbs that happen in your life. And once you've collected enough of them, you're able, maybe they're like puzzle pieces. Okay. And once you've collected enough of them, this is how it was for me anyway. I've collected enough of them so that I could see, oh, I could change my life. But one piece there, one piece there, I, I was at a, um, uh, you talked about in this society of striving, you and your career being one. I was at an event with a um, previous boyfriend. At, it was like a family event, totally casual family event. And I reached out my hand to I'm meeting a person for the first time. I reach out my hand and I say, Kayla Walker. And I thought, who, am, what am I doing? This is a barbecue. You know what I mean? Like, what am I doing? I'm so, I've worked so many hours. I'm so used to putting on this armor and being this person in, in this society that here I am one of the few moments to be myself and I'm a robot. So that was one little piece. And I was like, that was weird. And I put that away. And another pieces of just like, how come I'm getting the things that I want, but I, but it's not enough. And that was a little piece, you know, and then, you know, just a moment of, I did one of my last job interviews that I did um, uh, in my old career. I was doing pretty well um, in the interview process. I had done multiple interviews and at the end of one of the, I believe would have been the last interviews and I I did really well in it. And I caught myself thinking, it was the clearest thought in my mind that said, oh, I hope I don't get it. Because if I just don't get this one, I could rest. And when I caught, that was like the last piece. And I thought, okay, I have been striving for my entire life on this earth. And on the inside of me, I am telling myself, I don't want to do this anymore. If I'm not listening to me, there's no point to do any of this anymore. That's, that's the thing. And I have talked about this before. We are programmed to dismiss those thoughts like that, because that thought doesn't it doesn't jive with everything else. It's like, girl, hush, you know, you're supposed to be trying to get this job, but you yourself was telling, we're telling you, girl, you don't want this. You You would rather rest than do this. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it was like the ultimate culmination of all those mornings when the alarm goes off and for a split second, you're like, what if I didn't go? (laughs) 
<laughs> would I lose everything? Like it was like the ultimate that feeling of like, dang, I hope they just call and say no, thank you, because here you are putting yourself out there for the next striving episode again. Here you are, you know what I mean? And it's just when I heard myself, that was like the last puzzle piece, and I was like, I there has to be more than trying, 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 striving, striving, grinding, grinding, no days off. And on the inside, the real me doesn't want to do this anymore. There, I can't live in this like split reality. I feel like I'm like a robot within the real me's trapped inside. I don't know. It was weird. Um, you heard, you, you heard that voice mm-hmm. tell you, you didn't want that job. You said that was one of the last puzzle piece. Mm-hmm. What happened after that? I asked you to be my coach. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, yeah, that was, yeah. So, okay, a couple of things happened after that. I went all in on my um, art career, like all in on my illustrations, uh, illustration career, because remember, pandemic happens. My employer sends me home to work from home, everyone, you know, to work from home at the beginning of the pandemic. I had already, I'm feeling burnt out, but okay, you've sent me home. So maybe this is like a fresh breath and I can, you know, spend some time having fun and approach my job with fresh eyes. But in that time, I'm being me at home and I'm falling in love with who I really am and um, contemplating what it would be like if I use these people that I idolize as roadmaps instead of entertainment. I had my iPad, I'm drawing, I'm starting to illustrate, I'm making money from illustration. Um, people are hiring me to coach them, I'm teaching classes. Um, and <laughs> and, <laughs> and at the moment that I saw income coming in and I had that thought of, I don't wanna strive anymore, I wanna try something different. That's when I asked you to be my coach. Um, Oh, no, I quit the job, number one. (laughs) So we should say that. I quit the job. I did. I quit the job. The art took off. I'm doing my art career, digital art, illustration, fantastic. And when I see that there's a possibility for income to come in generated by me alone and I'm able to spend even more time without my armor off because I'm running my own, you know, clients are finding me online. I'm doing my own thing. That's when I knew, okay, I can do this. And that's when I asked you um, if you would take me on for coaching. And let's talk about that for a little bit, because I, I think it's an important conversation to have, especially for who the audience of this podcast is, who's watching this sort of like how you arrived at the decision of, I want someone to help me through this as opposed to just thugging it out and going at it on your own. Right. Because I know myself and um, I think, you know, folks at a certain age, you, you kind of know whether you're prone to analysis paralysis is what we used to say. So I'm very used to watching very inspirational things, making these big plans, even writing down what exactly I would do and some steps and then kind of defaulting right back to what I'm supposed to do. And I just knew if I'm gonna be serious about this, I need accountability 
partner for one. And I need an accountability partner who is doing the thing that I'm trying to do. Uh, that just made sense to me. And so I, I just thought to myself, I'm, if I'm going to take a risk, if I'm really going to take this risk, I'm going to take it right. I've quit the job. I'm out here drawing on the internet, making money from strangers, drawing pictures on an iPad. Like I've already gone to the deep end, right? I might as well, <laughs> I might as well invest in this. And for me, it was an investment of, um, you know, being able to spend some one-on-one -on -one time, like I said, with a person who's done exactly what it is that I'm wanting to do. I cannot say enough about coaching. I definitely was from the camp of, everything's on Google, uh, maybe this time last year or two years ago. But the truth of the matter is information is readily available, but there are so many odds stacked against our biggest dreams sometimes, you know? And in just the extra little 10, 20, 15 minutes you're gonna take, you don't want the odds of, you know, you don't want the negative voices to creep in you find a little piece of information and then suddenly, oh, that's why I can't do this. Oh, that's why that's the grand dream. It's easier to have someone who has done it walk you through it because they can kind of keep those voices at bay or at least for me. Um, so when I came up against things where it was like, uh-oh, stumbling block, it would be a lot more, e you know, it'd be a lot easier to just not do this because this is crazy. I'm able to have a coach who says, no, no, you could do this and this is how. Um, so I think that's the real value. And, and that helped me a lot. That got me, that got me the rest of the way into what I would call my next phase of life. Now, what you didn't mention was by the time you came to me, you knew I want out of the U S. Oh yes. Oh yes. Okay. <laughs> Whew, okay. Oh man. Where do I start? So you know, I think that it was really a mixture of kind of just being fed up with striving so hard for 35 years, all these years, and collecting all of the things along the way that I'm supposed to have collected and still feeling empty about it. And then I'm watching more and more content from people who are living their dreams, things I would have dismissed as, you know, that's just, that's not a real life type of adventure. Um, that's just something that certain select people can do. And then you need to go to work. Once I got out of that, I realized there could be an experience for me outside of the city that I live in. So I was really thinking maybe I should just move to like North Carolina or, or, you know, see how Houston is. That's what I was thinking at first. Um, and then, I don't know, I just consumed more and more content of people further and further away, just living their wildest dreams and saying how free it felt to be outside of the society that is telling you all of these things and creating this tension in the first place. And I thought back to the times that I have been in Mexico before on vacation and how beautiful it was, how free it felt, how much I loved it. Um, and it, I don't know, it was just a spark uh, again, it was one of those things where it's like, if I'm going to do this, if I'm all, if I've done all this this far, you know what I mean? Like, if this isn't going to work out, let's let the biggest leap not work out. And then I'll just 
start over, I guess. But <laughs> um, it was just this moment of if I'm going to do this, I need to really do this full out. Like I need to go far and, and just see how it feels to be totally outside of this framework that has made me feel the way that I feel for so long. I think that's important to mention because like we said before, moving, leaving the U.S. is not going to be the right move for everyone. Yeah, right. But um, I think I was kind of of the same mind as you. Like I could not figure out how to live the life that I envisioned in this system. Like those two yeah. things just were the antithesis of each other. I could not figure out how to make it work. So I stopped trying to figure out how yeah. to make it work and moved on and moved elsewhere. Yeah. And I think for me, I think I kind of, all of the things that society said I was supposed to want and have, I think I had uh, that were in my control right? That didn't rely on another person because I'm not married, but you know, you can't force anybody to, you know what I mean? Yeah. I kind of collected those things. Right. Well, yeah, I guess you, oh yeah, you can. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, you shouldn't, <laughs> but, um, I had collected so many of those things and even with having them, they felt, it felt, my experience felt empty. And so it just kind of felt like, I don't know, for me, it wasn't so much of, I can't have the life I wanna have, but it was more of the things that I want from this place, the things that I have been able to get from these pla this place, they hold no real value to me now that I'm holding them and I'm really holding them and thinking about how it feels to have them. Maybe I just need to go outside of this and see if there are new things that will feel more valuable to me. Um, and so for me, I think that's where it was. It was just kind of like this roadblock of, well, what else am I, what else is there? There has to be something more than just every day is the exact same and just wait until you, this magical retirement age or you well, win the lottery. Yeah. And that's, that's the other thing. I, <laughs> you are not alone in asking yourself, this can't be it. What else is there? I have been there. Uh, many of the people that you have watched on YouTube have been there. Mm -hmm. Like I interviewed Stephanie Perry and she talked about how before she took her grown up gap year, she used mm -hmm. to come home from work and be oh. like, okay, this is how many more days like this I have until like I can be retired and I don't have to, like, this is it. It is just going to be me counting down the days. So coming to that place, I think a lot of us have been there. I think yeah. the difference is what do you do when you start to ask yourself that question? Uh, do you just say, oh, you know, like, like you were saying earlier about, we're taught in, in this culture, we're taught to dream really for the sake of having dreams, not that they <laughs> yeah. are ever supposed to be achievable. So right. you, you get to that place where you're like, is this it? Is this all there is? Right. And, and do, you, do you just shush yourself or do you, do you say, this can't be it and I've got to go out and figure out how to get more than this, because this is not yeah. enough for me. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's what that's what it is. I love that is so true. Dreaming is so encouraged. Dream big, and you know, you never know, and this could be you one day. But um, but you also are kind of fed the the reality of there's only so many celebrities. There's only so many presidents. You know, there's only so many of these high achieving folks. There has to be people beneath them, right? That only makes sense. There's got to be normal people. And then you just think, oh, I'm living a normal life. This is just normal. Um, So I totally, that resonates with me so much. And it's kind of just, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think maybe a lot of people, maybe everybody has that experience where they kind of question like, is there something more than this? And, And being outside of the United States, I realized it wasn't necessarily working for me that was like ruining my life I think it was the society because I work here (laughs) um you know I work online and so I have not gone back I've been remote since the old job sent me home I've not worked in an office since then um but even here there's just a freedom of not having to put on that armor where I can approach my work and things that I thought were like the primary culprit. I think maybe society, the society really was the primary culprit. Um, this is just my experience. Some people have, you know, everybody's experience is different. Um, but being outside of the framework of all of that and just feeling like I can just be myself, I can relax. What's for me is for me, everything's okay. I'm not going to get shot in the middle of the street. I'm not going to, you know, like just being able to take a breath. It really poured out into everything that I'm doing. I can do work without stressing now. And I can log off of work at five now. And it's fine. (laughs) Well, and that's what I was going to ask because you do have your business, but you also Mm -hmm. have a remote job, not for who you used to work for. Right, right. Do you hate your job? I do not. It's hard to hate anything when you're so happy. But no, I love my job. It's a, it's a great company, super flexible. Um, well, I'm outside of the United States, so super flexible um, and provides for everything that I need. Challenging work. I really enjoy it. And then I have my art um, that I love. And I'm just able to I'm able to approach the things that I do now with um with a looser grip, you know, everything that I did, I white knuckled in, in the United States. Everything was like, oh, I gotta have this because of what it says about me and, and what I deserve and what I work for. And now here, I just, you know, hey, things come, they go. What, I'm, just- what I'm hearing is that pressure is not there. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Hey, we're, we're dog friendly around here. Don't worry. Uh, I, I wonder, is that the absence of pressure to achieve and climb or just the pressure? Like, is it that you no longer feel the pressure that this job needs to provide you with X, Y, and Z, because those are the expectations. Cause you said, you know, it provides for what I need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would- yeah. Yeah. Would that have it's, been it's enough so before? Many, I feel um, like no. In the United States, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> it provides, <laughs> it 
it provides for what I need. Yeah, it's it's a release of pressure. It's knowing that I'm okay. It's, you know, and people who listen to your podcast and watch your YouTube channel, they know quite well that standard of living totally changes when you take the American dollar to certain different um, economies. So that is a real thing. Um, so it's just this pressure of I'm not, can I pay this after I do this? Am I going to have enough? Okay, I'm about to do this, but let me check my accounts. You know, I'm checking accounts multiple times a day, even if I have the money, just because I'm used to, let me just look at my money in my account. Let me just like, it's there, right? Like, it's just this, I'm stressing to stress because I'm used to stressing. And then this idea of who I'm supposed to be in all situations, who I'm supposed to be at the grocery store, how I'm supposed to look, how I'm supposed to look when I'm walking down the street, what my tone of voice is supposed to look like. All these things, when you leave this, the society with such a specific picture is already painted about you before you even walk into the room and you enter a society where those pictures aren't the same, there's a freedom and just, I feel anonymous, but in a good way. I feel, I feel- You don't, you don't have to live up to any expectation. Right, I'm just here. Um, of course, I'm a foreigner here. I'm an, um, a, a person from the United States here. I don't wanna say I'm an American because mm -hmm. there are many Americans, but that's kind of what we say um, in error sometimes. Um, but so I do have labels here. Um, but it's not the same as in the American society. There's a label, but is there an expectation? There, there, I will say this. One thing that I have learned so far in my short time so far here, there, I have learned there is an expectation, but it's positive. There's an <laughs> expectation that I can pay my way. There's an <laughs> expectation that I, I'm good for my word. You know, there's positive expectations but they're loose positives. You know, there's a, hey, you said you'd be here. You're probably going to be here. If you're not going to be here, that's cool too. You know, nothing that I do or say here is taken to be a um, immediate judgment of my deepest character. I'm free to just be me. I can change my mind here. I can, you know, it's, a, it's just, it's just freedom. It's hard to put it into words. And maybe I'll have more words after I've been outside of the United States for longer, but it's a freedom I've never felt before. Did you, did you hear what you said? You said, I can change my mind here. I can change my mind here. I can be, I can rest here and I'm not lazy. I can be without children here and I'm not selfish. I could be unmarried here and I'm still a woman. <laughs> you know, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm just, you know, I'm just, I can just be and no one cares. <laughs> just, I, because the beach, I'm, I'm, at, I'm near the beach. It's the oceans here, the beaches here, the palm trees are here, it's beautiful here. The birds are always singing. I mean, the, the worries are, there aren't any. There really aren't any worries. You know, I was planning to walk to this place and it started raining. So maybe I'll wait for a little longer for the rain to stop. That's my, that's been my <laughs> biggest worry. <laughs> it's so free. It's amazing. It's amazing. Do you ever stop to think about like you were just saying how, 
you don't have worries, you're very free, that lack of stress and all of that. Do you ever like contrast the life you live now versus the life you were living before? Every day, every single day, something happens. Um, Something happens where I compare my reaction that being outside of the rat race brings out of me to the reaction I would have had um, before. Like here, we were just talking about this before um, we started the interview. I had some people coming over that my landlord was sending over to fix something. They were supposed to be here at 9.30 a.m. It's 2 p.m. Hadn't seen them, they probably won't come. In the United States, I'm furious, you've wasted my time. There were so many things I could do today. My to-do list is so long. Do you know who I am? I paid for this. You know what I mean? There's all this in the United States of, of this would have ruined my day, right? But here you come, you don't come, you know, ah, it's fine. <laughs> it's but fine. that you have disengaged from that system is how you can be so nonchalant about yeah. whatever thing life throws at you next. And I That's think- exactly it. It's, that's exactly it. I'm kind of, it's more of a flow, you know, I'm, and I'm expecting the best. I felt like in my old life, I'm planning for the worst. I would say I'm expecting the best. You're hoping for the best, but you're planning for the worst. Right here. I'm planning for the best. That's it. I'm expecting the best and I'm planning for the best. And that's it. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard. Like, I hope this doesn't sound too lofty to anybody listening or watching. I hope that this doesn't get lumped into kind of what we were talking about where you see, oh, this person, yeah, they can do this. They're living that life. But my life is is normal. You know, I hope that this doesn't sound too out of the box, but it's true. There is like a there's a lightness that comes when you step outside of a society that does not really want you there. Had to say it. When, when you free yourself from those expectations and yeah. those rules, there is a lightness. There's a lightness. And it's I, real. I want to say that all of a sudden, all sorts of things are possible because you're no longer limiting yourself by those old rules. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the people you're no longer limiting yourself by those old rules. And another really cool thing is that while you're having your own personal revolution and you're the most open that you've ever been and the most positive that you've ever been, and you're in a state of flow, the people around you are too. So it's, it's, you know, a lot of the people around you are too. So you're coming into contact with people who are as happy and free as you are. And the bonds that you make and the experiences that you have are, are without this suspicion and shared stress. And, you know, it's just, it's amazing. Well, and I do wonder if, if you had stayed in the US, like I, I, for me, that's one of the difficulties remaining physically in the US is because while you may be open and light and you've made these realizations, everybody else around you is still plugged in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And yes, the system in the United States is still rigid. So you do still need to plan for the worst. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) So like everybody around you is, I mean, I got to a point right before I left where I think a lot of people were like, are you okay? Because I just was like (laughs) emotionally like shedding everything, just giving everything up and it just expecting to have a good new life um, and just laying all strife down and walking into freedom. But a lot of people I could tell were just with good intentions. We're just like, oh, are you everything all right? You know, so I think you get around those people and then you're also in a place where you really do need to plan things out because the American dollar in the US dollar in the US really does only go so far. You know what I mean? So you do need to have um, some pretty serious plans here. I, I'm, it's everything's fine. <laughs> I mean, you still need to have plans. You still yeah. need to be responsible. You know, but I, 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 I would say, again, going back to the lightness, that, that it doesn't seem burdensome. It doesn't seem burdensome. Everything seems possible. Um, you know, everything seems possible. Gosh, I wish I could just paint like a clearer picture, but well, it, uh, that's it just occurred to me. It's like we were saying in the US, dreaming is meant for dreaming. It's not really meant to be possible. And what you're saying now is that the life you have, whatever you dream is actually possible. Like you could do those possible. things. Like today. Yes, and, and not even far away. And I think that's that's the underlying message here. I, I want to go back to what you said about the possibility of somebody hearing this and thinking, I can't do this. I, you know, and really this is the reason I wanted to have you on here. You just underscored and confirmed so many things that my experience has proven to be true. What other guests have said is that once you start to listen and pay attention to what it is that you really want. And you start to embrace that instead of what you have been told you are supposed to want. Like that then starts to open things up and that then puts you on a path where you can ultimately live the life you want, live your life on your terms not societies, not, you know, what the black excellence Twitter says it's supposed to be. Yep. You can, and and that's what I want for every black woman, whatever that happens to look like for them is that the life you live is the one that you want because you want it. Yeah. And that, that is, I mean, you, you summed it up perfectly. You said it better than I ever could. And that that to me is so encouraging because it's not as mysterious as we think, right? I think there's a voice inside of everyone. I want to say everyone that has told them what their biggest dream is. Now, if, if we quieted it and we didn't listen to it and, you know, that's another thing, but you know, on the inside, what you'd rather be doing, whatever that is, that's possible. So I think I think everybody should do like a little a little exercise. Spend a couple of minutes, or maybe even a whole day if you can get away with it, and just think like, 
if I could, if, if I had no expectations, I had nowhere to be, I had no barriers, what would I be doing today? Capture that real quick, because that's what you need to be doing. That's why I feel so free is because I spend a lot of my day doing the things and feeling the way and being the person that I used to say in the back of my mind, if I could do anything, if I did not have to go to this meeting, if I did not have to show up in this space, if I didn't really have to be with this person, all these things that I thought were mandatory for me, what would I be doing? And now I get to do those things um, without any expectations placed on me. And that's freedom. I think everybody knows what their key is, but it just takes a little bit of being uncomfortable, but it's possible. I think that's it. I think that's it. That is, that is the message this week. <laughs> uh, now, uh, this is normally where I ask, you know, if people want to follow your life, if people want to connect with you, where should they do that? I'll share, a, I'll share two ways to connect with me. If you're interested in my art, because I am an artist, you can see me on Instagram. I'm at Kayla Creative. But if you just want to reach out to me because I'm more than an artist and I may be doing some other things in the future, you can have my email address and that's dearkayla at gmail.com. Well, guys, <laughs> I think you can see why uh, I just, I love Kayla. I love her story. Again, when you think about what we are about here on this on this podcast, you know, bucking convention, expectation, embracing adventure and regretting nothing, living the life that you want, living your life on your terms. I hope you can see how if, if I can do it, if Kayla can do it, it is literally possible for anyone to be able to live the life that you want. What and, and, and again, I don't want anybody to get caught up in, well, my life doesn't look like that, or I don't want to live outside the U.S. That's not the focus. This is not about getting folks to break up with the U.S. and move abroad. It is about really listening to yourself, getting in touch with what is it that you want to do, what are those things you're doing because you feel compelled to do them, but you don't, you really hate it? Like sussing out that stuff and then deciding you do have to be intentional and make a decision that this is the life I want. How do I make this happen? So hope y'all enjoyed that. Um, thank you again for all of your support. If you are watching this on YouTube and you have not subscribed to the channel, please do so. You can turn on notifications so you'll know when there are more uploads. If you are listening to this on a podcatcher, thank you so much. If you have the ability to leave a review, I know that Apple Podcasts lets you leave a review and Stitcher lets you leave a review. I'm not sure which other ones, but if you can leave a review of the podcast, that would be awesome. That helps other women find it. If you want to help out the podcast financially, uh, there is a link in the description for how you could buy a hot chocolate, how you could become a patron. Um, and if you know of anybody who needs uh, the kind of coaching that Kayla described where I helped her for the months leading up 
to her move, whether it's about moving abroad, it's about getting your finances together, what have you. Remember, I do that as well. And so that helps keep the lights on here at the pod as well. Okay, y'all, till next time. <laughs>